Well, enjoy, ladies. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. It's a good day in the Lord. Happy New Year to all of you. We are uh, going to be, uh, by the way, just wanted to say hi to Dave and Sharon Henderson. Oh, yeah, there they are right there. Welcome home. It's good to see you. And uh, hey, if you did not hear, Jean Glenn uh, is a great grandma again, as her uh, grandson, Brandon Beck, uh, he didn't, but his wife <laughs> gave birth to a 10 pound baby. Looking at the picture, I think that 9.8 pounds are in this baby's cheeks. This is an incredible, incredible young boy. And uh, we're ready to rejoice with all of them. This is terrific. And so uh, he's a big old boy. And uh, thank God for, a, uh, for that birth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, reading from the New Living Translation. <clears throat> we're talking about living stones. Reliable proof. And here's what Peter says. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Uh, reliable proof. <clears throat> I want you to repeat after me in just a minute these words. I am reliable proof proof. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so I want you just to say that out loud about yourself. You're talking about you and uh, yourself. And so get ready. Are you ready? Say it with me. I am reliable proof. One more time, just for some convincing. Absolutely. Now we're going to talk a little bit about that and what that actually means this morning. But, you know, right now we're at a new year, of course, a fresh start, a new beginning. And, and that's always, of course, a positive whenever you have those opportunities. And a new year provides that for us. When you look back at 2012, 2012 has many things to be remembered. And for some, it has many things to be forgotten. You just like to not remember. Uh, 2012 has within it... Uh, both national and personal tragedies. It also contains within it uh, some of you that have started new life together in marriage. Hallelujah for Jesus. Nick and Megan, most recent uh, over there, the 29th of December. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, also for some of you, uh, it is the beginning of uh, a, a new life, just carrying around a child that you didn't carry around before. You may be either by way of actual birth or by adoption, but you have children that now God has graced you with that, that are yours, and, you, and there's great reason to rejoice over that. Some of you, if you look back at 2012, it was a time in which you said goodbye to a loved one who had transitioned from a journey of faith in this world and has now transitioned to a place in which God prepared for them and they are now exploring the wonders of heaven. 
Some of you are beginning uh, this new year having just this last year said yes to Jesus and are now really just kind of starting to get traction in your own life before God. And uh, regardless of how you look at 2012, uh, all the differences that relate to it, one thing is certain, when you hit this new year and you come to 2013, it's important that we refocus ourselves on what God has for us. Refocus on what God has for you as an individual. Refocus on what God wants to do in your life and through your life. Refocus yourself on what God is doing in the life of our congregation, in the life of our community, in the life of our city and state and even our nation. And really make sure that we as individuals and corporately as a body of believers are focused on what God has for us. Now, having said that, you, we hear Paul say then, you are living stones. You are living stones. Well, what does that mean to be a living stone? Well, there's several things. The Bible gives us a number of different ways in which God uses stones in the Bible uh, it to, to illustrate something happening in our own lives. The first one you can put in your notes is this. Stones were used as a reminder. Stones were used as a reminder. <clears throat> Whenever God did something significant, he would then encourage the people to gather up some stones and to pile those up so that generations to come going by them could say, what, what, what is that all about? And they could be reminded of the significant thing that God did, that God kept his word in that spot. You know, when we, we take communion, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a real way, it's kind of a memorial stone. Because what, is the, what did Paul say? Quoting Jesus, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we, as often as we do it, we, it, those communion wafer and cup, in a sense, become a, a memorial stone that reminds us that Jesus died for us. If you, if you were to go, and you won't need to this morning, but if you were to go to Joshua chapter 4, you'll discover that there in Joshua chapter 4, God calls Joshua to set up some stones. The reason for that is, is because 40 years earlier, God called upon Moses to bring the people out of Egypt, out of the captivity and slavery of Egypt, and having done so, lead them to where? The promised land. The promised land. And so when they get to the promised land, this is going to be a fulfillment of a, of a promise. And so 40 years go by. They're wandering out in the wilderness. And now there are all these people, you know, probably some, you know, depending on what theologian you talk to, they're anywhere from two to six million people that are following Moses. They get to the edge, the eastern side of the Jordan River. <clears throat> now all they gotta do is cross that river and into the promised land. And, and at that place and time, Moses, uh, at the appointment of God, is, is handing over the assignment. His assignment comes, is finished there. And now it becomes Joshua's assignment to lead the people across the Jordan River and into the promised land and to begin to occupy the land of promise. So, so this all takes place and God says to Joshua, look, get, get your priests together, pick up the, have them pick up the Ark of the Covenant, 
walk into the river, and when they walk into the river, I will cause the waters to recede on both sides, and it'll dry up so the people can walk across on dry ground. And so they do that. The priests go in the water, and this great miracle happens, and the water dries up on both sides of them, and the people all walk across into the promised land. Joshua then is told by God to get one person from each of the 12 tribes, go into the, into, the, into the bed of that river before the water comes back again, grab a big old stone representing their particular tribe, bring it back, and we're going to pile these stones up as a memorial so that when generations to come, when people are walking by and kids see those stones pile up. They'll say, Dad, what, what was that? Why are those stones up there? And then you can say to your children, listen, those are there as a constant reminder that God absolutely keeps his word. He keeps his promise. And there was a day in which we were all on the other side of the river, but God parted the waters and brought us over. And so it's a memorial. <clears throat> so as living stones, you now become a living reminder to a world that is starting to try and figure out God who don't don't really understand him don't get him and many have even rejected him you become as a living stone the constant reminder that God keeps his promises God keeps his words you are a living stone a reminder that God's word is kept in his promises. Now, what else is a stone used for? Well, it's, it's also for this purpose. Stones were engraved with the truths of God. Engraved with the truths of God. God writes what he wants people to know on stones. Uh, if, if you go back, of course, to Moses, what did God do? He, with his own hand, he cut right out of solid rock two big stone tablets, and he carved by his own finger into those stone tablets the Ten Commandments. He wanted those people to know the truth, and so he put it in there. What's interesting is, is that then you move clear forward to Revelation, and Jesus is talking to the church of Philadelphia, the faithful church in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12, and he says this, to whoever of you overcomes, to him who overcomes, I will write on him the name of my God. God will literally carve into who you are his name so that everyone knows what God wants everyone to know. You belong to him. He bought you with a great price. You are his. And he writes upon you as a living stone. You are a testimony of what God wants to declare and what God wants to tell. Here's what, here's what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. He says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is our heart. So God imprints the truths of who he is relationally with you on your life. So as a living stone, you are a testimony. You're a testimony that, that God keeps his promises. You're a testimony that God redeems our lives from destruction. Your name, his name on you is proof that your life has been redeemed from destruction. That's the promise of God. So, so you're a living stone. But there's another thing. It is this. 
Stones were the foundation for building dwellings of stability. Stones were the foundation for building dwellings of stability. Peter said, you are living stones that God is building for his own temple. He intends to dwell among us. He intends to dwell in us. He will never leave you then, and he will never forsake you. His promise is never to abandon you. When he takes residence in your heart and life, God's there to stay. He wants to be there with you every day, every moment of every day. So you then become reliable proof. As a living stone, you are reliable proof that one, God keeps his word. Number two, that God redeems our life from destruction. And number three, that God will take residency in you and never leave you, never ever forsake you, never abandon you. You are the proof of that. Now here's the problem. Having gotten all that said, here's the problem. There are times when I don't feel like I'm much proof about God. Do you ever get there? There are days when I just look at what's going on in and around me, through me, and I'm thinking, you know, I hope nobody has to come to Jesus based upon what I'm looking like today because what's written all over me is not what I'm thinking is a real testimony to God. And you, you start feeling like you don't have the confidence to know that you as a living stone are the reliable proof that God keeps his word, that God redeems your life from destruction, and that God will never leave you nor abandon you. But you're just not feeling it today. You're just not feeling it right now. You're going through a season that's difficult. And so you end up with what? Struggles. We struggle. We all struggle. We don't always feel like we are reliably a testimony of God to this world. We all struggle at times feeling a little like, you know, we, we're not very good proof today. It happens. What are the kinds of things we struggle with? The first one you can put in your notes is this. We struggle with self-discipline. And, and because of that, we sometimes feel a little bit like we are less than as Christians because, frankly, uh, you know, sometimes we struggle with reading the Bible every day. And I don't want to, but sometimes we struggle with that. And we struggle with getting one of those journals and finding the scriptures we're reading today and then writing something about that. And, and uh, we struggle with praying uh, every day. And we struggle with sometimes getting an attitude that we know we probably isn't really conducive to being a Christian. Sometimes we just struggle with our own self-discipline. We also struggle, here's, a, here's one that you probably nobody here has any problems with. We struggle with others. I know I can probably just skip right over that one because no one here struggles with anybody else. Do you know that um, we live in a very relationally combative time? It's incredible. Uh, you know, you kind of think, okay, is it politics that's doing that to us? Is it, um, uh, is, it, is it Christianity that's doing that to people? Is it, you know, what's going on? You know, it's just, we live in a really 
relationally combative time in which people are saying some really rotten things about one another. Where people are, are, are saying things that rip other people apart rather than finding ways to cement everybody together. It's a very combative time. And, and even among Christians, Christians among Christians, you know, sometimes Christians can say some pretty vicious things to other Christians about other Christians. Is that news to you? No. <laughs> I'm scratching my elbow. I don't know what you're doing, but... <laughs> you know, uh, it happens. Sometimes Christians can say some horribly vicious things. I'm talking with a pastor and some folks right now at a different congregation in which the, some people have just said some horribly vicious, vicious things and it's brought tremendous disruption and, and, and an inability for everybody to focus in that church because of the viciousness of some things that are said. Uh, and yet, it comes from the mouths of those who have enjoyed the blessing and benefit of unconditional love. And then out of our own mouths, wow. I, the good news is this is the intersection church. We don't have any of that. But just, just as a point of, of knowledge that some churches do, we struggle with, with others. We struggle with discouragement. Discouragement is a problem. Is anybody here a perfectionist? Anyone, anyone at all a perfectionist? There are some of you that are perfectionists. Perfectionists struggle a little bit with, with uh, discouragement. The reason is, is, is actually a, uh, an easy reason, and that is because nobody's perfect. And, and uh, we struggle with perfection stuff because people tend to not do things right and not do things well and it goofs us up and but you know there's another group of people that are affected by discouragement people that are on a mission if you're on a mission and and that mission is getting disrupted you know man it's it's disheartening if you're on a mission that is an assignment of god count on it you're going to receive criticism you're going to receive criticism you're on a mission and you are going full out for God on that mission, just plan on criticism. It's going to happen. And sometimes the, the, the strategy, or a lot of times the strategy of the enemy is, is always uh, from within. People closest to you criticizing. That's why Jesus said very clearly, he said, listen, a house, a house that's divided against itself can't stand. So the strategy of the enemy is always to try and divide the house. So the house is on a mission, and when the house is on that mission, criticism starts coming. Does that mean that, that there can't be some tweaking of how things are happening? No, no, we always need to refine and retune. But, but boy, it could get really discouraging because you're on a mission and somebody starts hammering that and you're just doing the best you can. We get, we get discouraged. You get discouraged. We struggle with discouragement. And then we struggle with Satan. Now, if there's anybody here that does not believe in the devil, he's already got a foothold related to your life because he's absolutely real. He's absolutely at work. And Peter tells us 
that God has called us to be living stones. And he knows that, that as living stones, we're gonna face some struggles. And when you face those struggles, it's gonna cause you to question whether or not you are a reliable proof that God is true to his promises, that he redeems lives from destruction, and he never leaves me or abandons me. And, and so you struggle, and the devil is wanting to constantly take advantage of the struggles so he can cast doubt on those things so that you're not sure if you're a really good, reliable proof or not. You question things as a result of it. See, Satan wants to make a struggle. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 10, Peter, who said we are living stones, then he says later on, he says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, listen to this. It is no accident that Peter chose a lion to describe what Satan is like when he's coming after you. It's no, no accident at all. None. You see, because the reality of it is, is, is he is ferocious, he is heartless, and he is absolutely bent on your destruction. And how many here like to watch the Discovery Channel? I like to watch the Discovery Channel. I like to watch it. And uh, I, I've seen a program on there in which they were following a pride of lions. And uh, the pride of lions are following them and they're cute little guys growing up and mama lion and all that. And pretty soon they start growing up and now they're getting bigger and they're teenage lions and they're growing up, you know, and they're hitting this time in which, you know, food is scarce. They got to get some food and they come across uh, this... Uh, herd of giraffe now the lions cannot take down a fully grown fully mature giraffe they're too powerful they, they whip their head around and smack them and knock them they, they kick them and they run with, with speed it's too hard to bring down a fully matured giraffe but if they can find the right time and separate out a, a younger giraffe that's not yet fully grown, they got a shot at getting dinner. And so in, the, in this one discovery thing, they, they have this, this pride of lions and they see some giraffe. And uh, they, there wasn't anything else, so they got to get something to eat here. So they, they see the giraffe and they begin to crawl. They're coming from different sides and they lay quietly and watch and watch and watch. And they're watching, they're watching for the right moment when the younger giraffe begins to just get a little bit separated from the most mature giraffes. And they're waiting for the right moment. And then they kind of just creep up a little bit more, creep a little more, and they're waiting. And when that right moment happens, when the younger giraffe has distanced his or herself just a little, a little bit too much from the mature, strong, adult giraffe, suddenly the lions jump and they come from all directions, causing the herd of giraffe to take off at a sprint. And they are running. But unfortunately, the younger giraffe, having not stayed closer to the adult giraffe, is, is now kind of in a really vulnerable place. 
And the lions know this, and they have prepared for it. So they chase down the younger lion, and, or the younger giraffe, and, and a lion catches, flies through the air, and catches that younger giraffe right in the, the hamstring. Just flies and bites it right in that hamstring and holds on. And the wound that that younger giraffe is getting inflicted into its hamstring suddenly causes that giraffe to have to slow down and slow down. And it, it can't run because it's got that big lion tearing into its hamstring. And once it gets slowed down, the other lion comes and goes for the juggler and takes that, that giraffe down. And now the giraffe is destroyed. See, that's just like the enemy. It's kind of a vicious picture, isn't it? It's not one we like to really watch and see, but that is the way Satan works. He looks for you those times that you've just drifted just a little bit from, from the strength that God has around your life, and, he, and he, you drift just a little bit, and you become vulnerable to the struggles in your life. Maybe it's discouragement. Maybe it's with someone else. Maybe it's someone in the church. You're just fed up with them, and you, you know, you know, you're just going to watch football on Sunday morning, and and by the way, the Seahawks are at 1.30, so we're all, we're all good. We're good. I can preach with the anointing. They, you're struggling with someone, or maybe your own self-disciplines are falling apart because it's just so hard to make, get things that help you out. And, and so you start kind of just getting out there, a little bit vulnerable, and then Satan, like a roaring lion, looking for somebody to devour, bites you in the point of your weakness, of your struggle, of your vulnerability. And what he does is he then begins to slow you down so that you can't run with the agility and speed of a man or woman of faith. And you've, you've just drifted off. This got in the way. This got busy. This, I got this going on. This is so, make, this is so dis I don't, I don't, I'm upset with things. I, I don't have time for God today because I'm just too, too agitated in my spirit. Exactly what Satan's looking for. Just get, those, get you in your time of vulnerability and bite you in the time of vulnerability to slow down your race of faith. Like Paul says, we're in a race. And, and, you, and you go hard, and you go with Jesus, and you, and you, and you run, and you want to run successfully for the Lord. But the enemy knows when you are vulnerable and when things begin to struggle. And so what happens is, is that we start saying, how in the world can I be reliable proof? Man, I've been bitten in the hammy there too many times. How about you? You know, and how can I be any reliable proof that God keeps his word, that God redeems a life from destruction, that God will never leave me nor forsake me? How can I be reliable proof as a living stone when I look at how I, I tend to just, I've wandered off again and I got bit again? You know, you, know, you just, how do, I, how do I happen? Well, Peter gives us some, some ideas. And, and here they are. Observation number one, be alert be alert. Here's what he said. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You, you've got to be alert, be vigilant, be on top of your game, always thinking, always watching, always paying attention to how you're doing in Jesus. Because if you aren't paying attention to how you're doing in Jesus, before you know it, you've just wandered off a little ways and not even thinking about it, and suddenly you're vulnerable and you get hammered. 
I got a good friend of mine who's, who was one of my great friends, great friends growing up uh, in, in ministry who we just unfortunately just had to deal with his, his license as a pastor. Why? Because, because he, he drifted off even as a pastor and the enemy caught him, drug him down. And, and I think, well, how did he get there? Well, I know how he got there. He, he didn't, he just, he never had time to associate with the other pastors. He didn't have time to, to go to our district pastors meetings. He didn't have time to, to stay in contact with, with the pastors who helped cover him and watch him and walk together with him. And the consequence of it is that the enemy caught him in a moment of vulnerability and now he's fallen and the church is closed. You know, how does it happen? Well, we have to stay alert. We've got to pay attention. We read it today in the, in the communion, as Paul's talking about the, the communion, he says, but let a man examine himself. You gotta, gotta, you gotta examine yourself once in a while so you can stay alert to what's going on in your life. What we did is in your, in your bulletin is one of these. There should be one for every person. Now, since we gave it out in bulletins, there, there probably are not enough given out for, at one for every person. Let's see, is Isaac around here? Where, Isaac, can you make sure that the ushers have some of these available? I don't know if, I don't know if it's possible today. Where's, see, Jan? Uh, may, I don't know. If they, we're going to give these out for a couple of weeks in a row. So if you didn't get one today, then be sure you get one next week. What is it? It is an anonymous spiritual health checkup. So don't put your name on it because uh, it's anonymous. Why, why are we doing this? It, you know, it, it asks questions. Do you believe you have grown spiritually in the past year? Have you become more obedient to God? Do you sense God prompting you or speaking to you more often? Are you spending three days a week or more in Bible study and journaling? That's personally, speaking of yourself. Are you spending three days or more in prayer for at least five minutes? That's not too much. You know, you know, how are you doing? Spiritual checkup. On the back, you can give us some feedback of what you're thinking. Maybe some things are bugging you or some things you're thrilled about or whatever. Just give them some feedback. And, and it's anonymous. When you leave today, you can fold it back up, give it to the ushers. They'll be standing at the door. Why will this be important? Because it'll help us as pastors to say, okay, let's, let's, let's look at how we're doing as a congregation. We don't want to be vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. We, don't, we want to be strong. We want the enemy to regret the day that the intersection was born in Spokane Valley. We want the enemy to know that God is absolutely faithful. He is true to his promises. He is true to his word. We want the enemy to know that our God does save lives from destruction. And we want the enemy to know that God will never leave us or abandon us. We are real, real proof of God's word in those areas. So it helps us. It'll help us to kind of keep an idea. How are we doing? So you don't, you know, be very honest about yourself and then Put, put that on there and fold it. Nobody will know it was you, you know, unless you put your name on it, which you don't have to do. And, you know, I mean, if you want to, you can, but there's no need to. In fact, I would encourage you not to uh, so you can feel completely honest about how you're, you're, you're evaluating, examining your own life in the Lord. We've got to be alert. It'll help us to be alert. See, the purpose of alertness is this, that when, when you have a storm, when you have a storm, you, you're already ready because you, you have paid attention and you know it's coming and you can do the right things 
to make it through that storm. Observation number two that Peter gives us is this. Remain steadfast. Remain steadfast. What he said is resist him steadfast in the faith. What does it mean to remain steadfast? Well, it means to be fixed in position. It means to be firm and per- in purpose, fixed in position, firm in purpose, unwavering in pursuit. Fixed in position, firm in purpose, unwavering in pursuit. It means you know what's right and what's important for your life and you are lasered in on it and you're not going to get sidetracked. You're making a decision to laser in on it and you're going to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Beginning 2013 is the time to refocus. Get steadfast. Get steadfast in him. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Peter said to the, or Paul said to the Corinthians, you know what, congregation? I am, I am steadfast on this. I, I am fixed in this position. I am, I am firm in this purpose. I am unwavering in this pursuit that I don't know anything among you except Jesus is alive and well in you. That you're living for him 100%. See, he's, he's, he's steadfast in that. He's determined in that. See, we have to be determined in our own hearts to live for Jesus 100%. If, if you don't know, and if that's not happening, here's what happens. The storms of life will come. There are promises of God that I don't like. That one of the promises of, of Jesus that I really don't like is this. He said, you will encounter tribulation in the world. I want to say, Lord, seriously reconsider that promise because <laughs> I don't want to encounter tribulation in the world. I'd rather not. But he said, you will. So you're going to, you're going to encounter it. So what, what do you do when you know that you're going to encounter a major storm? You want to find something that's really strong and stable and anchor yourself to it so it doesn't blow you away. You, you, it's, once the storm hits and you're getting, getting blasted, it's too late to find that. You've got to know in advance, what am I going to anchor myself to? Get your arms around that light pole and hold on because here comes the wind. You know, you've got to know this in advance. Be steadfast, steadfast in your living for Jesus this year. Observation number three, very quickly in closing, run with endurance. Run with endurance. Peter said, uh, he, he said, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're not alone. If you're going through stuff, it, it doesn't make you feel any better on one hand, but what you should know is that you're not alone. You're not alone. Why is that important to know that, that there are others going through what you're going through? Because endurance happens better when, you're, when you've got others with you. Every, every year at the beginning of the year, what is one of the things people commit to at the beginning of the year? You betcha. I'm going to take care of this baby, and this year, this baby is going to be taken care of. Now, this is not a baby, so don't get in your heads wrongly. No matter what it looks like, this is not a baby. 
but we're going to reduce this guy down to some reasonableness we're going to take care of business so what do people do they go they get signed up in a in a health health place and they start exercising statistically is is that all the people that signed up because this year's the year they're going to commit to it within three months they all give up Mm -hmm. that's a statistic and then the ones that managed to blow through the three months and do it longer than that how did they manage it the statistic is because they did it with somebody else they had a partner they had a partner and so it's important for us to, when we're thinking about our own steadfastness in the Lord and being alert to things, it's really important to know that you're not alone. There are other people going through stuff like you. If you just try to do it by yourself, then you're going to have a much harder time. Here's what happens. If you try to live just on your own, and by the way, there's a reason why in Hebrews, the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The reason that, 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 that the author of Hebrews tells us that, inspired of the Holy Spirit, why God tells us that is not for the pastor's sake. Now, I, I'm fully aware that there are pastors who behave in such a way that they're acting like that they got to have the crowd there because if the crowd's not there, their insecurities are going to come out and they're going to really feel bad about themselves. Too bad, because it's not about that person. This is about realizing that if you're trying to do life in the Lord on your own, you're like that young giraffe that the lion is just waiting for you to kind of get out their ways on your own. You've got to do life in the Lord with other people because if you stay close to all the other giraffes, you're much safer. You wander off, you become very vulnerable, and when the struggles start hitting you, the devil knows right where to bite you. He knows right where to bite you. So it's not, about, it's not about anybody's self-esteem, and it should never be that. It is always about God saying, look, at this is to your benefit. It's to your benefit. So this next year, we're going to really be focusing and emphasizing on small groups and trying to get as many of you as possible to be a part of a smaller group that meets regularly. And you say, I don't have time for that. I just, I, I, you know, I get it, Pastor. I understand that, Gary, you, you, you want to do that, and it's important and all that, but I just don't have time. I, uh, I, I got too many things going. Listen, the, the young giraffe wandered off, and it cost him. Christian after Christian after Christian, because they're out there doing Christianity by themselves, they find that the enemy knows the vulnerabilities of their life. It is in your best interest to take steps that allow you to be a part of another group of people who are doing life together in the Lord. Peter said, look it, you're not alone. There are others that are going through the same sufferings you are, and you've got to do this life together in the Lord. And if you, if you just do this a, a once a week thing, or you just, just occasionally show up, or once every quarter, you know, and by the way, I'm not an advocate of uh, never have been, I just because I'm not, I, I don't like religion, and I know this kind of shoots myself in the foot a little bit. I don't want to be under, misunderstood saying this, but I've never been an advocate of the, the fact that, that uh, people should, you know, every time the church is open, you gotta, you got to be there if the church is open. I've never been an advocate of that, ever. And the reason I'm not an advocate of it is because when we start going down that road, it becomes a, 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 a relationship based on works. And then God is not, God didn't save us in order that if we do all these things that our works will be completed and now we're definitely going to have, it's not about works, it's about relationship. 
So, so I've never been an advocate of, of, of that. What I am an advocate of is wisely making sure that I have included into my life the kinds of things that God said will be helpful to me in living this life. So like my friend, he didn't gather with people regularly. He did pastoring on his own uh, apart from anybody else's input or, or work and it cost him, the enemy bit him. And it's the same thing with all of us. We're going into 2013. Refocus, refocus. Make some decisions that are in your best interest. Stay alert. Pay attention. Be steadfast in what you, you know and you believe about Jesus. And be sure that you don't, don't run this race alone because endurance can't happen if you're alone. You gotta do it with some others. So when, when you start hearing about it, Try and find one that you can get involved with and be a part of, you know, as much as you're, as you're able to. Try and do it because it's in your own best interest. And then this is what Peter says. Now, Peter says, and we're closing, Peter says, here's what you should know. You are living stones. You're living stones. You're all living stones. And God is building you into his own temple. What's a living stone? It's, it is a reliable proof. It's reliable proof. You are reliable proof that God keeps his promises, that he redeems lives from destructions, and that he never leaves you nor forsakes you. Will you find struggles? Yeah, because there's a lot of struggles. We all struggle in something, and the devil knows them, and he tries to, to push us out just a little bit where he can then catch our vulnerability and, and draw us down. Don't let that happen. Stay alert. Stay alert. Stay steadfast. Run that race of yours in the Lord with some others who also like you are having to contend for the faith. And if you pull all that together and you start 2013 intentionally, intentionally setting about strengthening your life in him, God won't fail you. And you'll go through this year and you'll encounter trials because Jesus promised it but he also promised he'd never leave you or, or ever abandon you in those things. And he promised that you'd be more than a conqueror. And he promised you that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard uh, in front of him. A, a promise after promise after promise that he made for you. But you, you don't want to get sidetracked because you become vulnerable. Bow your heads with me for a moment. You think about your own life in the Lord. It's not really a point of, of uh, anything other than personal listening to the Holy Spirit in your own heart and spirit. What, what do you know God is speaking to you about you? You know, there's no perfect place. You know, the, all there are are places in which imperfect people are all walking together to draw closer to Jesus. So that when we get through each day, each week, each month, each year, the devil is the one that's getting punished and God's people are getting rewarded. You know, and, and there are battles over those things. It's not always easy. It's, it's, it's sometimes hard. It's why we need each other. Make a commitment today. Jesus, I want to be reliable proof this year. I want to be a, a testimony, a, a witness, 
no matter how verbal you get or nonverbal, your life is a testimony of the power of God to make a difference in other people's lives. Start this year by first saying yes to Jesus. If you've not said yes to Jesus and you, you need to take care of that business with him today, it's not about becoming a member of this church. As I said, I'm not really very religious that way, but I do believe there's value in people walking life together. And so it's not about, you don't have to be a member of the church to be saved, to say, Jesus, come into my life. If you haven't made that declaration and say, Jesus, I want to be one of your kids. I need you this year. I want to invite you just to consider raising your hand right now as an indication before God that you intend business with him this year. Anyone here, just lift your hand and put it right back down. Say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. Amen. 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 And how many here would lift your hand and you'd say, you know what, I, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me today. I'm starting off fresh. I'm starting off new. I'm going to have a renewed focus. I'm going to be, real. I want to be reliable proof of Jesus to a world that needs him. Just lift your hand today. Amen. Amen. Father, we come to you today and for those that would lift their hand and say, I, I want Jesus. I've, I'm, I've not been religious. I've not been you know, overly concerned about some things, but I hear you, Lord. I do believe in you. Help me, Lord, this year to become proof that God does live and that God does exist and that God does come through. For those, Lord, who who already love you and believe in you, Lord, but they know that we just need to refocus a little bit. Lord, I pray that today, would you, Lord, help us as we recommit ourselves to walking with you in such a way that people around us, we don't have to go knocking on their doors and saying, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And the person says, I don't even know you. But there would be those that we work around, live around, that know us who just simply come and as your word says ask us about the reason for our hope and our faith because they see it in us because we are living stones we are reliable proof that God you do make a difference in a life help us Lord to refocus our lives and our living so that Lord you are honored in every way in our life we love you we do praise you in Jesus name amen Amen. Be sure you take a minute, fill out that 